Welcome to Sustainably Speaking. I'm Joshua Baca. Today, we're going to talk about innovative ways recycled plastic can make buildings more energy efficient, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and keep our electricity bills lower. Plastics have typically followed a linear model of take, make, dispose, where plastic products are thrown away and end up in a landfill. But as the world rightfully becomes focused on addressing climate change and increasing sustainability, we're seeing a shift in treating used plastic as a valuable resource. Giving plastic waste a second life has become pivotal when it comes to building a more sustainable future. Companies and industries are innovating to create this circularity for waste by taking used plastic and using it to create energy-efficient foam insulation for buildings. Joining me today is Peter Huntsman, CEO of the Huntsman Corporation, one of the leading companies charged in creating a more sustainable future. And so maybe the first place to start, Peter, is tell us a little bit about Huntsman Corporation. What is Huntsman Corporation? What do you guys do? And what do you make? Well, we're a company of over 10,000 individuals that make everything from petrochemicals to building solution products. Uh, We've been in business since the late 60s. Started as a packaging business with a clamshell device that is the standard use today in polystyrene packaging that was around the uh, McDonald's Big Mac and a number of the fast food items that were packaging foods and foam. It's interesting to note that we went to that in the 1960s and 70s as an industry uh, because so much food was being thrown away and there was so much spoilage. And we were recognized when we first started back in the 60s as being one of the early environmental pioneers of recycling packaging. And when it was first introduced to the fast food industry, it was considered to be a revolutionary product that was accepted first and foremost by environmentalists to cut down on on food scrap and uh, to encourage recycling, which is something that the wax paper couldn't do at the time. So we got into the the polymers and the plastics end of the business. And uh, we, we subsequently sold off all of the olefins and the polyolefins, plastics, commoditized ends of the businesses, and are focused far more on the downstream, the building blocks, I think, are, I would like to, to say, are just one step away from the consumer. And that's excellent. And I love the way you characterize that as Huntsman being a pioneer in the sustainability and recycling space. You play a prominent role within the American Chemistry Council as chairman of our executive committee, and you have been a strong voice and an advocate in driving sustainability across our entire organization. What does sustainability mean to you, and, and how does Huntsman Corporation take on the issue of sustainability overall? In my opinion, it is doing more with less. It is advancing society. It is advancing sciences. It is advancing the materials that we use and, and making tomorrow a better place, and at the same time, utilizing less raw materials, less energy, less virgin material, and so forth. So for me, it's, it's very simple. We're doing more with less. And we're going to continue to do more in that advancement. That doesn't necessarily mean that we're using more product. People forget that the chemical industry is around today because it replaced glass, it replaced wood, it replaced stone, it replaced wax paper. It replaced far more intensive producing products than uh, what we have today coming out of the chemical industry. So when I say talk about using more, That's not to say that we're encouraging more plastic to go into a water bottle, 
we ought to be doing more and more as an industry with less and less material. So you touch on a topic there about carbon emissions, which is a big topic politically, a big topic with businesses across the globe. How does the chemical industry and the work you're doing at Huntsman address the issue of carbon in the environment? Well, I, I think the question really is more, how do we utilize carbon and how do we, we make it into a force for good? And similar to what I, I said earlier, I do believe that, that what the chemical industry is doing is just that. When we make something out of plastic versus metal, when we make an insulation out of recycled materials with a greater R value and greater characteristics to save CO2 than, than mineral wool or mineral fibers and so forth, I, I think that, that you know, all the way across the board, light weighting and, and so forth. Look at the weight of an automobile today versus what it was back in the 60s and 70s. The world is an immensely better place today because of the chemical industry and the advancements that have been made and everything from personal protection to consumer products to medicines, the applications. You can't walk through a hospital without seeing virtually every single one of, of the products that are handled. And even the chemistry that's used to make most of the drugs come from our industry. You talk about being a force for good when it comes to sustainability. And I want to pick up on your topic about doing more with less. Huntsman has a great story and has had an impact in taking discarded plastic bottles and turning it into foam insulation. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to do that? And for our listeners out there, what is foam insulation and how are you using plastic bottles to make it? Think of that, that foam that you oftentimes will see. You can stick your finger in it. And it, it can come and it bounces back. Think of that in the seating of your automobile. That's what's called a flexible foam. Think of the other foam that you put your finger in and it leaves a permanent impression. And that, that's a denser, that's a, that's a solid foam. And both of those applications, when you apply them, it applies as a very thin layer of liquid and put in a layer of polyurethane foam. And you're going to increase the insulation. You're going to increase the structural integrity of your house. And that foam is going to expand to about six inches of, of thickness. So when you think about those, those properties, and if you could put that in every home, not only does it pay for itself, not only is it a great economic investment, but the amount of time that your heater is going to be running in the winter and the air conditioning is going to be running in the summer will be greatly reduced. And so we make this out of two products we blend together. One of those products we blend together, it's called a polyol, a polyester polyol. And we consume nearly 1.5 billion plastic bottles per year, the equivalency of that amount per year in the manufacturing of this vital raw material. The less your air conditioning unit is running in the summertime, not only are you going to be saving money, but the less strain is going to be put on that power source, it's giving you electricity. Same within the winter. And if you're a natural gas heater, every time that heater goes on, you're burning natural gas and you're emitting CO2s. You want that heater to run as little as possible. Let's go back to your uh, comments about using discarded PET bottles. There's obviously a big debate about how we handle plastic wastes and on the environment at you know really all levels of government. It seems to me that Huntsman has a unique solution here where you're, as you mentioned, you're taking plastic bottles and you're upcycling them into a highly valuable product. What inspired Huntsman to do that? You have this abundance of uh, raw material, which is garbage, right? But when we look at the garbage that we're taking in as a society, 
we need to make sure that, that we're utilizing it, whether it's a fuel or whether it's a raw material source uh, for materials that we're producing. A billion and a half bottles per year relative to all the bottles that are consumed. Uh, it might be a relatively small fraction, but think of where we were five years ago. Think of where we are today. Think of where we're going. These are applications that are going to continue to expand very rapidly. It's not just going to be an insulation force. We're looking at a number of other downstream applications where this technology and other technologies will be of great value to us. Maybe a, a follow-up two-part question for you, Peter. One, what kind of policies can lawmakers pursue to ensure that we're using more materials in our buildings, such as the one that Huntsman is making? And then the second part to that question, you talk a little bit about other areas you are expanding in with this technology and applications. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? First of all, what politicians, what policymakers can be doing, I think that the, the first thing that we need to be able to do is to follow the science. It's just more of a question about how do we dispose of plastic bags? How do we recycle plastic bags? How do we make better use of and multi-use of them? They came into existence because they were cheaper and they took less energy. So I would say that what policymakers ought to be doing is first and foremost following the science and, and sticking to that science. Secondly, they ought to be rewarding people in various states across the country. You look at across the United States, for instance, just in our home building standards, we've got 50 different legislative actions as far as is what is the insulation going to be in a house that's being built? What are the standards? What are the R factors? And so we're now getting to a point where I think that we can all agree that Insulation is important. The better the, and higher the R factor, the more money the consumers are going to save. We have to be racing to the top of the best science, the best application, the best opportunities to clean up the environment. And these ought to be values that we export as a country. In other words, I abide by the strictest environmental laws in the world. I don't want those laws to be reduced any. What I'm concerned about is when somebody can go 10 feet over the border and build a plant producing the same product I'm producing, we ought to be holding international manufacturers of chemical products. They're going to be importing those products and end products into North America, the same standards that we're being held to. So we, we think about what legislators ought to be doing, follow the science, let's use best technologies and best practices. Let's try to standardize practices around the, for the entirety of North America. And let's make sure that our manufacturers are not disadvantaged by our regulatory systems. And again, that's not to say we want to weaken. If anything, we want to strengthen. We want to make sure that people that are importing products are going to be held to the same standard. You said you were also using this technology to expand another application beyond spray foam. Tell us a little bit about those applications. We are using that presently in a number of other applications where polyols are, are going to be produced. And that is going to be in a, in a lot of that soft seating. So think about rigid polyol again. Think of that insulation that's going to be in your home. But if you think about the chair that you're likely sitting on, if it's got any foam in it, uh, could it eventually be in your footwear? We're working with companies like Under Armour and Adidas and, and Skechers, where the entire sneaker will be, be made out of polyurethanes. You can recycle that much easier. You can now start to recycle take an old pair of running shoes and recycle that into a new pair without the denigration of that molecule. Again, you can use some of that polyol in the production of that. You're using recycled material 
to make a product that's going to be continuously recycled. And that, you know, as we start looking at those sort of applications, be it furniture, be it building materials, be it footwear, textile apparel, and so forth. And part of that's going to be on consumer behavior as well. The entire supply chain to have that sort of environmental benefit to society has got to be able to, in my opinion, be held accountable for that and encouraged to do the right thing. Earlier on, you had mentioned your work in the auto industry. You said a lot of the work Huntsman also has done is um, revolutionizing maybe the way we, we see automobiles today uh, in regards to emissions, design, and efficiency. Tell us a little bit about your work on the automotive side. When you look about what we're doing in the lightweighting of the vehicle, you go through a BMW factory in Munich and you're starting with massive stamps of metal. And metal, you see thousands of robotic arms. You go through the factory, welding pieces together. The automobiles in the future are going to be built more and more with composites. Instead of being welded together, they're going to be uh, glued together with, with high-strength adhesives. They're going to be lighter. They're going to have far better fuel efficiency, whether it's an internal combustion engine that will be achieving 70, 80, or 100 miles to the gallon. Or it's, it's an electronic vehicle that's having to haul less weight around. And so when we think about uh, that carbon fiber, Huntsman's one of the largest suppliers of the composite material, the adhesive material that produces those composite panels. We do that same thing with the aerospace industry as well. So when you think about that knock-on effect, as far as what we're doing, not just in the automotive industry, but across utilities, energy production, next technology, battery, electronic vehicle production, so forth. We're there on multiple fronts, lightweighting, a more comfortable ride, better insulation, better comfort, better fuel efficiency, uh, better mileage, better gas treatments, less wear and tear on your engine. Across the entire board, our products are used. Technology, home energy efficiency, lightweighting of vehicles. That sounds like a great story. Uh, Huntsman is doing. Let me uh, pivot really fast. You have obviously always been a very fierce advocate about our industry being proactive and telling our story in a simple and compelling way. I appreciate that. I, I, I strongly subscribe to that. Help me understand what inspired Huntsman and did you ever think of Huntsman being in a business that was going to be taking discarded plastic materials and, and making something that was highly efficient and valuable as you are today? There are things that Huntsman can do quite well. I think the intimacy that we have with our customer base, the, the speed of innovation, the fast turnaround time on ideas and so forth, a quick idea, a quick route to market. A lot of what we're doing today, we've got to assume it's going to be replicated tomorrow. So we're in a constant drive to not radically change what we're producing. Let's incrementally change. Let's incrementally improve. And at the same time, we've got these opportunities to radically look at something like the, the ESG movement and how do we capitalize on those sort of, of trends and that sort of legislation and so forth. We've got to be able to do this. And Joshua, as you said, we've got to be very vocal with our story. We've got to make improvements every year, not just in the products that the customers are using, but in our processes as well. So I think we're doing great things in society. We, we, we're a major uh, part when we talk about carbon reduction, CO2 reduction, it is not going to happen without this industry. 95% of what everybody is eating, using, touching, wearing, computing 
it comes from our industry. It's touched by our industry, preserved by our industry. It's made better by our industry. We're not going to come anywhere close to CO2 reduction if, if we don't utilize best practices, technologies, and applications. Peter, two final questions, maybe a little bit more on the personal side. You have a compelling background in how leading and transforming and continuing to innovate Huntsman. What advice do you have for other companies, other stakeholders who are focused on the sustainability space when it comes to leadership in this area? The chemical industry is unique in its ability to be sustainable because every year, think about, think that water bottle that you pick up today, that water bottle didn't exist five years ago. The water bottle that you had five years ago would be uncompetitive today. You couldn't sell that water bottle today because of the thickness of the plastic that's in that water bottle. And so, I mean, when you think about that, that competitive edge, this industry is primed for continuous improvement and innovation. And so I, I think that rather than coming to a point where we, we said in our, our evolution as a company, we need to get on the ESG bandwagon. To the contrary, we've always been on it. We've always been about reducing waste, about redu- every time you go by a facility and there's steam going in the air, that's escaping energy. That's cost going into the air. And so, you know, we've been on this, we've been on this for a very long time. If you think about the whole ESG, figure out what, what is going to make the, the greatest difference and focus on that, because oftentimes that's not going to be where the public sentiment is. If you look at something like plastic bags, and you compare that with something like home insulation. Home insulation, getting that right, will eliminate the, the equivalency of the daily usage of millions of barrels a day. Plastic bags, that's something about consumer habits. We, we look at where we, our emotions are, and we forget where the sciences are. So I tell you to focus on the science. Emotions are going to change eventually. Science usually prevails. Maybe one final question that our listeners may not be aware of is, I know an area of very personal importance to me outside of the sustainability work is the work you're committed to when it comes to cancer research and mental health. Could you just spend a quick second telling us a little bit about your personal efforts there and and some of the things you're doing to try to solve some really big societal challenges when it comes to those two issues? Well, Josh, that's that's very kind of you to ask. My father back in the the, uh, early 90s was diagnosed with cancer and he put at that time money into uh, cancer research, which was $5 million. And uh, he dedicated every penny going to cancer research and care. My father and mother built, in conjunction with the University of Utah, the state of Utah, the University of Utah Medical Sciences uh, Department, they built what is today one of the finest cancer research and medical facilities in the world. Uh, My father passed away about two and a half years ago. And before doing that, he asked me to chair the Huntsman Cancer Foundation. That's the arm that is responsible for raising money and awareness and and having some small part in the direction of the Huntsman Cancer Institute. When he passed away, my siblings, we got together and we determined that we wanted to to continue our support in cancer, but we also wanted to look at mental health. We've made a commitment for $150 million. We're in the process right now building a $200 million research facility and clinical uh, care facility Again, this will be in the, in the state of Utah, where it will be uh, able to collaborate and work in conjunction with some of the genetic work that Huntsman Cancer Institute is doing. It doesn't determine your gender or your politics or your wealth or your nationality or your status in life. These are two illnesses that are scourged on society. And we ought to be doing more. And we ought to be better focused. And 
I, I know I speak on behalf of my generation of huntsmen that uh, we're just we're, we're proud to be able to carry on some element of that legacy. Hope we make them proud. That's great. On a professional level, Peter, let me thank you for being a pioneer on the sustainability side. On a personal level, thank you for your commitment on two really important issues. Um, one that has plagued my family in cancer, one that has impacted several of my family in the mental health. So thank you for your leadership on there. And maybe one of these days we could do a whole episode on all the great work you're doing in that space. So thank you so much for your time today. Joshua, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sustainably Speaking, and a huge thank you to Peter for joining us for this important conversation. If you have any thoughts to share from today's episode, consider including it in a rating or review, and be sure to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can also reach us directly at sustainablyspeaking at plasticmakers.org. We'll be back with a conversation about advanced recycling technologies. Together, We can change our perspective, our behavior, and the world. I look forward to sustainably speaking again soon.